ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The third episode in this epic trilogy of first three episodes for Subtle and Nuanced. A podcast that is <laughs> where we have conversations about motion pictures. I invite a guest on, they come on, they pick a movie, we talk about the movie. I try to be funny and entertaining. They try to be comfortable and not be annoyed with me. It's a balancing act of epic proportions. Today, oh man, we have got a real treat for you. We're going to do Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, ever heard of it? Um, my name is Taylor Martirana. I will be your host. My guest today is Tori Dupre. He's a strapping young man uh, with blonde hair and light eyes. And I've known him for a while now. We first met in a humble acting class, and we have stayed in touch ever since. We have very similar weird senses of humor, a million inside jokes, and it's difficult for us to be serious. This podcast episode, we actually stayed a little more serious than I expected us to. But I've known he's always loved this movie. He wanted to come on and talk about it, and I'm desperate for attention and for people to love me and to listen to this podcast. So I had him on. I'm liking this intro, this like character thing that I'm doing. I think this might be it, guys. I think I might be breaking through, scratching the surface, finding myself, finding my voice. The song in today's episode that's going to be played in between this intro, the interview, and the last outro thing, I don't know what it is yet because I'm realizing now that it's going to make life a lot easier if I pick the song afterwards rather than having to predict it just makes things easier so all i'm going to say is every episode i'm going to have a different song if you want to know what the song is because i got great taste in music and you're like oh god how do i get that hold on guys um oh okay never mind it's just there's oh okay (laughs) my phone's blowing up i just put up an instagram story and people are finding it hilarious and really interesting um someone's asking me if my teeth are fake (laughs) No, no, they're not fake. Jesus Christ. All right. It was cute at first. Now the the beeping is going off for far too long. But she says my teeth look like plastic. It's good. It's good. Thanks. Um, I've had people ask me before if my teeth are fake. And then when I tell them that they're not fake, they don't believe me. Is that me just bragging about my teeth? Or is that me trying to tell an interesting story? You figure it out. Um... Yeah, the podcast went well. I, uh, I, I Actually, I don't want to repeat what I say in the outro. If you want to hear how I felt about the podcast, you can go listen to the outro. Tori's a great guy. Movie's a great fucking movie. If you haven't seen Perks of Being a Wallflower, go check it out. Incredible music. Incredible movie. Incredible writing. Uh, it came out in 2000, 2012. Directed by Steven. You tell me how to pronounce this last name. C-H-B-O-S-K. Chabosky? I guess. Uh, so yeah, go listen to Asleep by the Smiths and, um, work out a little bit more and stop picking at that thing. Cause it's just going to make it worse. I know from experience, if you know what I mean. All right. Enjoy the podcast guys. Thank you for supporting. And hopefully I'm me diving in. No, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want to say that. I was going to say, forget it. Enjoy the conversation. Talk to you soon. You ready? Yeah, man. Okay. Um, <clears throat> if you could 
for the rest of your life, if you could only live with either pizza or burgers, what would you pick? Um, probably burgers. Yeah. I'm, everyone else I know is basically a big pizza person. You're not a big pizza person? I am, but it's like for different reasons and like bad reasons. I don't know. Like when I like pizza, it's always like the worst. Con- it's always like the cheese crusted bullshit that's like mm. thick. And everyone else loves like the thin crusted like. And I know that's just something that's really different with me. That is interesting. For the longest time, I would have said burgers too. And I think it's because my favorite pizza was like, I don't know, I would go back and forth. Like I loved all pizza, but I also was just like, but pizza, after I have a handful of bites, like even if I'm still hungry, I'm like, I've had about enough of that. Just like bread and cheese and whatever. I feel, whereas yeah. a burger, I feel like I can just keep wanting more. Oh, um, yeah. But recently I've kind of gotten more into like the thin pizza where I'm, where with that, I feel like. I can finish like a whole pizza and I'm like, I still want more like, cause it's so yeah. good. It's not overwhelming, like so much bread and cheese. Yeah. Well I was, it's like just the flavor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause my dad and my brothers also are like, what do you under? And they always talk about like, there's more to it than just the, like when it's just thin crusted <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. And they like kind of try to drill into me the like opinion. Yeah. And I'm just like, guys, I'm just like, not, I actually, but- went to this place uh this like very authentic italian restaurant like the day before the corona started like making everything shut down Mm. and uh got a pizza and it was literally like we ordered it and i'm not exaggerating 90 seconds later it was at the table and it's because it's so thin that they literally throw it in the oven for like 60 seconds what? It's it's awesome. That's pretty cool. Like it's not, like not that it only is it cool that it comes out fast, but it's just like so like light and just like delicious. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. They put it in like the, I guess over a super hot fire or some shit. But um, all right. So uh, what's the movie you wanted to talk about today? Um. Uh. I don't know. Don't drag it out too much okay i'm sorry i was like trying to like (laughs) really kind of milk it uh perks of being a wallflower are you concerned that with you picking this movie that people i don't know might think you're soft uh yeah i actually am deeply concerned when did Um, you first see this movie i saw it um around like the fall of 2013 wow you actually remember exactly so how old were you then i was 21 I should know this. Was that when it came out? No, it came, came out in 2012. 2012. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I did have it written down. I did a little okay. bit better than I thought I did. Have oh. you read the book? No. I even though I know certain like excerpt, you know, it's like dear friend mm-hmm. and I know certain excerpts just cause they're kind of like, I looked up mm-hmm. them and stuff in the past when I was like, wait, is this like how it was in the book? Mm-hmm. How do they go into the detail with this? And then I just kind of like Google search it. But, um, yeah, man, this is like, I rewatched it recently and it's just like, it's like my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, it's really fucking good. I, yeah. I This was only my second time seeing it um, and I liked it a lot more this time. Mm. It's weird. I think I'm getting to a place, which is also one of the reasons that I want to do this podcast, but I feel like I'm getting to a place where uh, trying to judge movies less. Like mm. it's, it's funny because you would think 
as you got older that you would find more things like cheesy and overdramatic and stuff, but it's kind yeah. of becoming the opposite of me. I feel like, so I first saw this movie when I was like 24, 25. Um, and so, yeah, the first time I saw it, I really liked it, but there was a lot of parts that I was like, uh, this is a little like heavy handed yeah, or yeah, dramatic yeah. or too emotional or whatever. But I don't know. I, I'm just trying to like, buy into those moments more and like be, rather than being like oh they should have done this with that or they should have written it that way or that's too cheesy that's no one really talks like that i'm trying to do that less and less because it just makes me enjoy movies more and yeah. also like learn from them more it just makes everything more fun yeah um and so i think i had a more open mind about the whole thing this time around but and also something that's funny I was watching an interview with the guy who wrote and directed this. I don't know how to say his last Steven name. Stephen Shopsky? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and uh, he was talking... It was He wasn't even talking about this movie. He was talking about Wonder, because he did that movie, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. He... And he was like... Uh, it was like a little clip that they showed that was before the interview even started, where he's just talking with the guy who's going to interview him. And he was like, uh, life's too short to hate a movie. You know what I mean? And and the guy, they kind of, he kind of elaborated on it. He was just like, like, I get it. Like, if you go to see a movie and you're, um, like, you know, it's your two hours out of the week that you get away with the wife or whatever and you go to the theater and then you come out and you're like, ah, oh, that wasn't like what I thought. He's like, but after that, it should just be like done. Like, okay, wasn't for me. But like, yeah, I'm definitely someone, this sounds like such like first word world problems but like the type of person that will dwell like and why the fuck is this movie getting praised because it's like this scene is bullshit and <laughs> yeah, that scene's yeah. bullshit and this actor wasn't even that good yeah um but i don't know I'm no just... i mean i do the same thing like i i kind of try to be my inner like my inner combatant with it though yeah like i'll walk out of you know i'm not going to talk about specific movies but i'll walk out of a movie and be like god damn why is that movie getting so much praise and then i'll be like oh it's my stupid actor friends or yeah. oh general people and then i like try to like check that voice and be like dude it just didn't work for you it might work for other people um yeah i i definitely fell more in the camp of like criticizing movies even like a couple years ago you know that about yeah like i'd be like dude why didn't it like i'd rant yeah. to you about it yeah um or then also but, what might irritate me even more than like some movie that i don't think is anything special being like a 97 percent on rotten tomatoes or whatever is when there's a movie that's at like 75 percent, just kind of in that like good range yeah, and yeah. i'm like dude that movie is fucking incredible and yeah, it's like yeah, people yeah. don't understand how fucking good it is like yeah i'm trying to think of a good example of it like one that i'll always go back to is i think kick-ass is like supremely underrated it's movie. so good yeah um, yeah you made a point one time that it was like one of the most underrated movies or yeah, something. I, yeah when i was at ucla i had to write i wrote a paper um or we all had to everyone that was trying to get into this class like the teacher could only pick like 10 people so she like gave an audition yeah and it was like write the most underrated movie of all time and the most overrated movie of all time and i remember i did i think i did a tie for underrated i think i wrote about don john and kick-ass but <laughs> yeah, yeah. i i don't remember what i said for overrated which is pissing me off because that's probably even more interesting i don't remember what movie i just like shit on <laughs> but um be funny if it was like some obscure movie and everyone in the class was just kind of like i i remember this i, I don't remember what i said was most overrated but there was a time where um we were in this class and it was the same thing like UCLA, it was interesting the way they would do shit where you would have to, basically, every writing class, there was only like six people. 
So they had like a bunch, they had maybe like 10 teachers that would teach writing and there was six of them. And it was all about like finding a teacher that was going to be a good fit for your learning style and shit. So basically there was like a week, the first week of classes, every teacher held like a conference and there would be like 50 to a hundred kids in there. And they're all like auditioning to try to get in the class. Okay. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of a weird process, but it was like, so you're in there and they would all do kind of like weird, like icebreaker games and stuff to try to see like if they thought you were a good fit for their teaching style and stuff like that. Okay, so yeah. one of the teachers, he was one of my favorite teachers, but he did this thing where he was like, what we'll do is I'm just going to go around the room. I'm going to point at you. You tell me like a movie that you think is a great movie and, and why a movie that you think is a terrible movie and why, but he, something that he kind of specified, he's like, whenever I say like a movie that is a terrible movie, he's like, don't pick like, literally like a straight to TV movie, like pick a movie that is like well-known. Some people like it, but you just hate it. Yeah. And I remember whenever I did mine, I'd picked, uh, I'm pretty sure I picked black mass as the movie that I hated. And <laughs> okay. what, what was great was like, cause that movie got like kind of decent reviews. I think it's probably yeah, hovering yeah. around like 60 to 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. But yeah. whenever I said it, there was like so many of the people in the room that were like, Oh yeah, dude, that movie sucks. <laughs> like everyone hated it. Like, like most people are like, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about perks a little bit. So why don't you, in your own words, just tell me what you think the movie is about? Or or just break down the plot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I, I think I would just first off say... Um, like if someone following... has never seen it. Yeah, so we follow um, Charlie, who's coming into freshman year of high school. And... Uh, he went through something in his past that we don't really know, but it was definitely traumatic. And, um, and this is a journey of like self-discovery in high school. And he meets Sam and Patrick who end up being friends that may or may not help him to overcome the trauma that he feels may have defined him, which was in his past. Nice. Yeah. And we're just, Briefly, unless you really want to dive in, yeah. um, what would you say would be the main reasons that you wanted to talk about this movie, or why do you love this movie? It, yeah, I mean, I can, I, you know, yeah. like, like <laughs> it's so personal to me, mm -hmm. but I feel indulgent talking about <laughs> why. Um, it's just like in regards to, and it's like everything I write and everything I really like, really care about is like having to do with your past and moving on from your past and how to move forward. And, uh, dude, rewatching that movie the other day, I was like, I've seen this movie maybe like not even like 30 ish times. Uh -huh. And I'm just like, it's so technical for me now. I'm all interested in the push-ins and like, Oh, uh. why do they do this? I'm like, so I'm not going to be like emotional. And it just like gets to the ending and I'm just a fucking wreck, like a wreck. Um, and I just realized how like personal this movie is to me and everything it says in the ending. And what I loved, if you get the chance, dude, you should try and um, check out the director's commentary. It's like, I've never felt so reassured about something in my life. Just cause you, because I was like, we're in line with everything you said. I was like, yes, that's what you're going for. And then the last thing he said in the commentary was like one of the most moving things I've heard. And yeah. it like affected my whole day. Well, what do you say? He he said the reason, so I'm paraphrasing for sure, but he said the reason he made Perks, oh my God. So he, 
Can I just like uh, read from it? Because like I think it's amazing. Yeah, sure. If you have, okay, yeah. Um, I'll try to keep us afloat until no, then, for um, sure. Yeah, I uh, I have it right here. Oh. So the very, <laughs> I have it written down. It matters that much. To me. Uh, so it's the very ending, and I don't know if I want to go into specifics. People haven't seen the movie. No, we'll 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 get into it. Yeah, uh, but that, it's, I mean that's kind of expected. Maybe yeah, go, talk about it. Who yeah, so yeah. he says this. Spoilers. Uh, yes, yeah, spoilers. And um, to give a little context. So, yeah, here, here's what I yeah. would say. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but, you're good. Because you're good. here's what, something that I'm trying to work on with the podcast. Yeah. Um, I want to spoil things, but let's make sure that for people that haven't seen it, we explain what happens specifically in the scene. Yeah. So just if so, you need to preface it with something about the movie, tell them what happens in the scene. Yeah. So the story takes place throughout the year of freshman year for Charlie. Um, near this end... Um, him and his friends have built up this uh, song that they really relate to that takes them out on this drive, and it's David Bowie's Heroes. Mm-hmm. And they found out the song, and then they because uh, the movie takes place in like 1998, so there was no Shazam. 1991 or, or two, any of that stuff, I think. But I could be wrong. Google said 98, but no, it didn't. Maybe Google's right. Yeah. Um, um, but but the reason I'm saying is because like they hear the song on the radio, they're like, "This song's awesome," but they don't know what it is, type of thing. So mm. it's not like nowadays where you can be like, "What song is this?" You know, oh, and just yeah, shazam yeah. it. So that's why in the movie they're trying to figure out what the song is. Yeah. And they figure it, out it's yeah exactly. They try to yeah. through mixtapes and they yeah, just yeah. like fail and um. But um, Charlie's went through this journey. And he's come out the other side of it. Yeah. And they're driving through this famous tunnel in uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, and uh, he's riding in the truck bed. And uh, Patrick and Sam in the front seats. And that's Emma Watson and Ezra Miller. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's giving this like monologue to end the movie. And yeah. the music building. And, and then the director has this commentary. Okay. Um, and... Uh, he say he says uh, they they're all looking forward and Charlie's looking back at his past because Charlie is laying down in the truck bed, and he's like literally staring back behind him, and then he says and then it's your friends and the girl that you love who makes you stop looking at the past and turn towards the present because in the present tense that's where we really live, and it's only because of that that you can look ahead to your future because that's what being reborn is, and then as I look at him standing up in the tunnel watching this for the last time in a long time with you. He's like relating to the audience here. He's like, this is the magic of making perks for me. In this moment right now, as he's putting his arms up in the air, the way that boy feels right there is how I feel because these images are now on that screen forever. And these images that have been part of my heart exactly the way I wanted them are in there, out of my head, and now it belongs to you. And now I have more room for my daughter and my wife and my friends and future things. And now the city that I love, and we go up into the sky, and the lights from the stars are now the white names. It's the credits roll. Mm. And I'm just like, God damn it. Is he from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's incredible. I I wonder if people that are listening that, this again sounds really pretentious, but people that are not like writers or whatever, if they can relate to that as much. Because like for me, and no, I'm not saying like, don't say it. What I'm saying is like, that really affected me just you saying that because I'm like, fuck, I feel like if slash when I get to the point to where I make a feature that I'm like, get to do it exactly the way I wanted. It's like, cause I I've had that experience to some extent with like a part more than elephant because a part was just completely mine Yeah, and, yeah. Was, and not to sound selfish, but there's just something that's special about being like, 
this is my heart and everything I yeah. wanted this thing to be. And then when you get done with it, even if you look at it, and I don't think a part is even close to being perfect and I see a million things wrong with it, but still I'm like, that is me. Like, yeah. And there's a feeling of like, whenever you get the right music that you wanted, the song that you wanted and all that stuff where you're just like, fuck, that is exactly how I want it. And then, I mean, for this movie to be as great as it is, I can't even imagine what that has to feel like for him to have had this really personal story and, you know, write this book that became kind of a phenomenon and then to be able to write and direct the movie and it's just get these great actors. It's yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And like, there's just so much. Yeah, dude, I, it like means the world to me and I, I worked so hard on like, you know, I'm pretty like, like I'm like, self-deprecating too much and I like think out loud but like there's so much about this movie that are just minor moments that I relate to and I feel like so many people relate to and it's just so subtly done and also in the commentary John Malkovich produced the movie I didn't know that yeah and John Malkovich told him this and I love this and maybe this is more of like a writer thing too but he said always go for the hard take and he meant Meaning like what? so he's like this script has so much heart and sentimentality to it but like never settle for the emotion like just say just say it and just like really go for like the most grounded Hmm. sense of how this scene can be done Hmm. and there's like nothing that might be too much of a grand statement because there's a lot of montages but there's so much of this that's so grounded to me in like character and personality and that I just relate to almost the whole thing. And I mean, just like in this journey and uh, yeah, man, when I first watched this, I was like really numb and I was going through like a huge thing of like, like a long amount of time of like depression. Yeah. And I laid in bed and I see this title, like person being a wallflower. And I'm just like, Oh, is this some fucking like unique, like what, just like on HBO or some shit? No, it like just came out on like iTunes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and then I was like, I wasn't like really supposed to leave the house too much. Um, and then I see this title. I'm like, okay, this is some weird kid stuff, but Emma Watson's in it. And I'm like, I think she's cute. So, <laughs> And I watch it and like, there's so much that I was just related to like from with Charlie in like at the outset. And then by the end, I felt like literally transformed. Yeah. I, it took me like months to cry. Yeah. And that was the first time I cried in like months after mm-hmm. watching that movie. Mm-hmm. And it helped me so much. And then it just reassures me. Like when I listen to the commentary, I'm like, this is all intentional, man. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. You know, like this can be done to help people. And yeah. this helped me so much. Yeah. So that just inspires me a lot. Yeah. Kind of no, that's, it's kind of crazy that you didn't really know what it's about, but that it was so close to your life. I was just like literally scrolling. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but just Tori went through some shit is what yeah, we'll say. So, I, I, so, so I don't like, want to get too indulgent. That's no, the yeah. Thing. Like I'll do but whatever. It's, but it's not, no, more. but it's not about indulgent. Cause I mean that that's important. That's why it's, you know, such a big part well, of dude, your, even like literally life. Like but, I'm just being introspective about this. Like the way I'm even approaching this, Sam has a bit of a, or Sam, Charlie has a bit of a sh- like shame when he, there's a random scene where he says he's high uh-huh. and he says uh, he talks about his friend, uh, dad, like drinking. And so his friend didn't really like smoking weed. And then Emma Watson's character is like, oh, what, where's your friend now? He's like, oh, he shot himself oh, yeah. last summer. Yeah. Yeah. And the way 
fucking Logan Lerman acts this. It's a crime that he wasn't recognized at all. It is one of the best performances to me. And he looks down and it's out of shame for making her feel uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm like, I relate to that so much. Like even just now, like when I was talking, that's what made me think of that moment. Yeah. I'm like, that's such a part of me. Like that moment. I'm like, I care more about how other people are going to take what I talk about. Yeah. Like feeling shame. Like, Oh, I put you in that predicament to react. Or, yeah. Yeah. And then literally right afterwards, he's just like, He's like, yeah, I'm going to go. Like, he goes upstairs, and, and it's just like, fuck, man. Like, it's just heavy. Yeah. Like, And it's not heavy like, oh, this is melodramatic. It's just like really groundedly heavy for me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, m- maybe I should talk about that. If you, I, I don't know. If, however much you want to. Literally, however much you want. I mean, I, yeah. don't, I don't care. But like, it, I don't know how much you're comfortable with. But I mean, in comparison to, I'm comfortable with anything. It's just like, yeah. It, with, with Charlie, I shared a mental episode yeah. with him. I technically have bipolar one disorder. Mm. Um, and that manifested, I started taking acting classes and I had a lot of repressed emotions and a lot of things going on at the time. Wasn't taking care of my body right and stuff. And then eventually I broke and I had a, and a manic episode. So I was jumping off the walls in like so excitement. What, what does that mean exactly for people that don't know because i don't know that i mean I, you've talked to me so, about your experience but what does that word mean manic yeah, like manic so, or what does manic episode mean exactly yeah so so what happens is um you know that's why they call it manic depressive is like bipolar disorder it's that counter switch um that a lot of people like to romanticize or like to say to someone when they flip on a dime like mm. oh you're you're just being bipolar. You know when people say it off the cuff, kind of? And um, what it is, it's like, it's when you, um, it's when you get a, like, like a euphoric struck of, like, energy. Mm. I'm trying to explain it to, like, oh, yeah. layman's terms yeah. as opposed to, like, and you just feel kind of, like, always up and energetic, and it feels like a drug. Yeah. It feels really um, exciting. And so the mania is actually the most, most... I think is actually the most, this is a personal opinion, dangerous part because it's, it's glazing over how like this is bad at the moment. Mm. Um, and, uh, what happened with me with acting is I was kind of like a guy in high school. Like I played football. I, you know, didn't really share my emotions too much. And like one time I tried to with a friend, he was like, dude, that's kind of weird to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of reclused um into myself recluse uh, mm. whatever um but uh and then just like all these things mounted up and once i got into this acting class um it was just too much for me at once i was experienced acting and being able to like live truthfully under imaginary circumstances and i always acted before fakely if that mm. makes sense mm. like i i always thought Oh, I could just like fake it. Yeah. Um, but this school made sure that you couldn't do that and you couldn't hide it. Yeah. And then, uh, so like a- accessing real emotions so that you're not acting like you feel something you're actually feeling it. Yeah. And at that time I wasn't able to understand my limits with that. Mm. And I didn't know that I had a genetic disposition towards this disorder. Mm. So after like for a month span of me like barely eating, me not really sleeping for a couple weeks, and then uh, 
like rehearsing all the time and not it just made my mind always go and there's no filter of like what to not say and I felt like an arbiter of like truth and love and felt so egotistically <laughs> like yeah no I felt so egotistically like grandiose yeah you know yeah and that's what that gives you that like oh my god I'm like larger than life feeling yeah and what happens is it comes really crashing down hard reality does and uh and you know to tie it more in like specifically i i feel like that was you know we talk about in acting moments before and that's like moments before a scene but before this movie happens this trauma that happens charlie went to um a hospital to stay before and we don't know why as the mm -hmm. moviegoer but the moment before is that he had that break. He had mm -hmm. one before. Mm -hmm. And uh, at, when I watched this movie, I was in my, you know, the stages of grief, but I was like actually in the depression stage, like I said, and um, I like couldn't get out of it. It was like seven months of just like nothing, like numbness. It wasn't even sad. It just like I, and I just wanted to feel alive again. Mm -hmm. And that's why like, at the end of this movie, when he's like, he says a line at the end when he's like, like driving down the tunnel and he's like, you're not just another sad story. Mm. Like you feel like you're alive. Mm. And that moment always gets me because I always feel like I'm not like connected with other people. Mm. I feel distant and alone a lot. Mm. Um, and I feel like everyone does to an extent. And that's kind of a human element that that movie like really tackles on. It's just, fuck, man. It just really hit me at the right time because yeah. of everything I went through. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry to... No, like, no, that was great. Because I think, number one, that was interesting. But also, people have a lot of more context now. Um, a couple of the things that you brought up earlier that I want to get into. One is montages. Because... Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to think about this, how... Um, I feel about montages in general, but I think this movie has like some of the most powerful montages that I've ever witnessed in the yeah. sense of I'm also, as you know, and I think as people get to know the more they listen to this podcast, I am obsessed with music and the way that it's used in movies, yeah. not in the sense that I know how to play instruments or anything, but I get obsessive about like, what is that song in that scene? And like the yeah. way that they faded in here and then it switches there and like yeah. the way it's used with sound is so good. And for me, by far the most powerful montage in this movie is the scene whenever um he go he is asked takes the acid and he's tripping oh and yeah then it's he, like when he's doing like when he takes the bot the body of christ and it goes yeah to new year's eve and it's yeah. the acid and, and then and then he's doing the snow angel yeah and like the score sneaks in oh and it shows God. how his aunt died dude like yeah incredible I incredible yeah. like i don't know i mean i guess with a lot of these podcasts people maybe won't see the movie but this you just need to watch this movie. It's awesome. But but it's like the yeah. way that it's done, you know, it, it's going back and forth. I mean, it's a trick that a lot of movies have used where it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of like a soft song with like something terrible happening behind yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but this is like just so good and jarring because basically Charlie's at this party. He takes acid. He's tripping. He goes outside and he's like, it's snowing outside. Everyone's inside. He's by himself and he's kind of just like thinking about life and stuff and he's making a snow angel. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of just like c coming in on his face. And he 
like you know that he loves his aunt and you know that she's not there anymore but you don't know what happened to her and um he, so it's like going back and forth and showing him as a little kid and then showing him as you know a high schooler and it's just cutting back and forth with this like incredible music playing and then it shows his aunt just get smashed in like a car wreck and the way they yeah. use the sound of like the car wreck with the music and going back and forth i don't know it's just like that's the type of thing where i'm just like it's amazing I think that you can just move somebody so much with just stuff you recorded on a camera and music, you know, like you don't even need any words. You don't need to say anything, but yeah, but I feel like this whole movie does so has so many good montages. Cause like that one's great. But then the one, whenever he's studying with Sam is so great where it's like the montage of them being at the diner and just showing the passage of time of it, like becoming Christmas and the decorations going up and then it pushes out and you see just like different, like fall leaves that are there. And like, it's just seasonally just slightly different because I feel like a lot of times montages are kind of like placeholders. They're almost like a cheat of like, okay, we don't really know how to get there. So let's just do a montage and like show some things. But in this movie, it's like the montages are some of my favorite parts. I'm trying to think of other ones, but oh, the sleep just... montage is yeah, classic. That, so that's the first the f- one. Right? How that's it the, starts. That's Sorry. the first. That's the yeah. first one. So yeah. the song "Asleep" by the Smiths, which is like a huge part of the movie and the book. Yeah. Well, um, and so his sister's <laughs> boyfriend. Yeah. Gives so her, his sister's boyfriend is like kind of a weak, like gives like a he's persona. like a dummy. Yeah. And he, um, I want to say one thing about yeah, the boyfriend no, real there's quick. Just so much good about there, it. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, he plays Greg in Succession, so that was a nice reminder for me because I, I, watch I watched Succession. I watched Succession recently, and yeah. Greg is one of my favorite characters. But and I didn't realize this was him. But yeah, I for some reason I really like Dylan McDermott and like everything he does. Dude, and, and so I love good, and yeah. so Dylan McDermott plays the dad. Yeah, and this like nerdy, weird kind of hippie guy with a ponytail is dating Dylan McDermott's daughter, who is Charlie's older sister. And uh, they have a dinner scene, and I don't remember what's said, but it's like, uh, so he goes. Derek is at dinner, at, which is the boyfriend. Yeah, and 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 uh, and Charlie's like a little bit like insecure about how his first day of freshman year went, yeah. and like people kind of chime in, but then Derek out of place chimes in, and he, he goes, he goes, you know, freshman year, you really find yourself. Yeah, and then. And then <laughs> Dylan McDermott turns slight like like pause and just like with kind of disgust he's like thanks Derek yeah but but my favorite part is it cuts to like right after that where the boyfriend's like leaving and then the wife says to Dylan McDermott she's like you really need to be nicer to him or something and he's like honey I'm sorry he's just such a pussy I can't stand it <laughs> and like, he says it so like what do you what am yeah, I supposed like, to do like like, like he's, and it's funny because like. Just knowing, like, Dylan McDermott, like, he's an actor who dyes his hair black. Like, he's not, he's so far from, like, tough man's man. But I feel like he's constantly playing (laughs) characters that are, like, man's man. Like, no bullshit. Like, he's such a pussy. I can't fucking stand it. Like, it's just just hilarious to me. He's always playing those types of characters. He's kind of similar to who he is in uh, that Will Ferrell movie with Zach Galifianakis, The Campaign. Oh yeah, he's like Will Ferrell's hard ass campaign manager. He always just kind of has that persona, yeah, like on screen. Yeah, yeah. it's it is funny though. You talking about like dyes his hair? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean, you can tell he dyes his hair black. He's an actor. Yeah. Like it's like there's Dude, a very small amazing. percentage of actors that I think are like real motherfuckers. Oh yeah, like yeah, a man's man type of thing. Yeah, even the ones that play tough people. I mean, John Hamm's pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like John Hamm a lot. I just don't know. How much of his shit is like a facade? He always talks about oh, how yeah. he plays football and stuff, or how he played football yeah, like yeah, growing yeah. up. There's a scene in the finale of Mad Men where he runs, and I'm like, 
Oh, does it not? Is it like I the don't... worst kind of form you've seen? Kind it's of just rough. It's like his arms are straight down oh, and no. he looks like, oh, okay. and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Apparently he like played college football though. So I don't know. It's weird. At, maybe my run isn't as great as I think it is. I always think that I have a great looking run. <laughs> and I that's like one of the things that I get annoyed with constantly in movies is I'm like, dude, how do these people literally not know how to run? Or yeah. like there's a scene of them throwing a baseball for literally two seconds. And I'm like, how do you not have like a decent throwing motion? Like that's how, the one like, thing I never even I played baseball up until about fourth grade. Like I understand you're an actor, but was there no point in your life where you like learned how to throw? Like yeah. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. You know, they a lot of people make fun of like Tom Cruise and like sports basketball movies. And yeah, yeah, cocktail. like in a few, uh, a few his, good men too. His, see, but I don't think his I don't running. Think, I don't think his bat swinging is that bad in a few good men. No, I don't think so either. It's not, it's not perfect, but it's not like great. But dude, him running is great. Is amazing. Yeah, and everyone else best movie theater run. Everyone else are D's. Daniel, He's an A. Daniel Craig is rough, uh, and I love Daniel Craig, but it's yeah. rough. Dude, it's I like just a, rewatched a, Skyfall, man, and it's like, yeah. Well, his running's actually slightly better in that. There's one shot in Casino Royale when the airport chase scene where yeah. he's running and it's like his left arm, I think. I can't remember which one. One of his arms is like good form and the other one's kind of like flailing out to the side like this. Okay. And it's just like, yeah. can we not? Get, I mean, can James James Bond runs like that? Like, yeah, yeah. The coolest guy of all time. <laughs> can we, couldn't, yeah. we couldn't train him how to run for like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. they did before Skyfall because I feel like his run in Skyfall is slightly better. Someone's like, all right, so who's going to talk to Daniel about this? <laughs> <laughs> who else is a good run you know what's like the legendary like all-time worst run ever like they even talk about it on rewatchables <laughs> is uh in taken there's a couple shots of the daughter running and it's like it's like she's never ran before i, I don't it's remember like, it. I don't it she remember. i don't she kind of she runs as if she's sonic the hedgehog like she puts her arms <laughs> back and kind of like flails and yeah, you're yeah. just like what how do you <laughs> how do you even yeah. like it's so weird because Everyone that's seen Taken recently will comment on that, and it's just like the director had to like be like, okay, is that how you really run? like like well, he yeah. had to have been like we need to try to get one where she runs normal. Yeah, that, that was a huge a controversy. Thing. Not to you know be too tight in, but you remember like when Ezra Miller played Flash, like the way he'd like oh. kind of wave his arms. I knew so, he like, played Flash, but I never saw the Justice League. Movie. It's like a bunch of people would be like, why is he like waving his arms is it like not that? Good? It just it's... so. And then and then other defenders are like, yeah, but it has to do with his powers. Like he's using huh. his arms, and they're just like, yeah, but it looks. What was your opinion on it? I'd never seen it. I you know I kind of am like lax about it yeah. as long as if it works kind of yeah. thing, and I'm just kind of like, oh, it's okay, whatever. Did you like, think it's it not distract? It's kind of distract because he's like flailing hmm. a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm, do almost, you think it was just how he runs normally? Or I think it was think direction. It, really? I think it was right. direction. That would make me like it more, but yeah. if it was just like, he runs like that and it looks weird. No, it, it seemed too intentional, but back to long tangent, but, um, dude. Okay. That scene with ponytail J- Derek. So <laughs> the dad, the father, Dylan McDermott yeah. says, Sorry, he's just a pussy. Yeah. The camera just casually pans like that's just off screen <laughs> yeah, and yeah, barely exactly, heard. Exactly. And then, and then Charlie's talking. So Charlie's sister comes back up to him after Ponytail Derek like gives her something. Yeah. And then he's like, and she's like, do you want this? And it's a mixtape. And he's like, uh, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, he gives me one every week. <laughs> and like that in and of itself is hilarious. But then it cuts to, it cuts to in the bedroom, Charlie listening to it. And you hear Derek's voice over the mixtape. And oh, he's yeah. like, hey, babe. <laughs> I picked this song because it reminded me of your eyes. And like, Asleep, and then it does yeah. a sleep by the Smiths. Yeah. And 
it's just so funny. And then that joke pays off later <laughs> with Charlie talking about the like, oh yeah, I was listening to Ponytail Derek's mixtape, and Patrick, played by Ezra Miller, who's Emma Watson's brother, um, he's just like, oh, that works on so many levels. <laughs> and like <laughs> lines like that, I just love so much because it's not even part. It's like what's naturally would be said, yeah. but not focused upon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, but that montage sequence back to that of a sleep yeah, is so good. Yeah. Like, basically it's just, you know, that song has that depressive feeling and it's just kind of drones on, but it also was showing like all the like bullshit, miserable life that Charlie's going through in high and school. It's the one time it's near the beginning of the movie. It's the one time they show that he takes pills. Mm, it's just yeah, a slight insert. Yeah. And the director even talked about, it. he's like, I was really worried about even adding this. Cause yeah. I didn't want people to think like, Oh, he's like some like drug sad case or, or drug yeah. case. Yeah. But it just being kind of casually thrown in there, like it's everyday life. Yeah. And people see that he's functioning and just like you, um, the producers convinced me like it was that kind of sentiment. Yeah. And I, I like the choice. Like that. Cause that's the only time they ever like really felt he had like an RC cola. And yeah. He sips it down. Let's talk about um, Ezra Miller for a second. Yeah, dude. Um, I guess I haven't seen, I guess, that much stuff that he's in, but I know, you know, a lot of people think of him as being a good actor. I think he's pretty incredible in this movie. This movie, and we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, that, I know that's another one that everyone he's always talks about. like, amazing in, but I think this movie is his best performance. And the, Sorry. No, you're good. And some of the improv lines he comes up with, I try to interject casual conversation <laughs> with, and it never works. Like, like his line... Uh, I feel like I have to explain a bunch of stuff about the movie, but I don't want to. No, that fine. feels. But like for some, someone, there's an ongoing joke about him in the school and someone says it passing by as they're having like dinner at uh -huh. this uh, restaurant. And he goes, Go, like, can we stop? It's an antique joke. <laughs> and then like, I don't know. There's just something about the confidence just to be like, yeah. And then, um, and then, and then Charlie, at one point, it's Christmas time, is handing out a bunch of, like, Christmas gifts. And one of the people, Mae Whitman, like, is a, just a friend of theirs in their group. And she's like, she's like, oh, we promised, like, not to have too many gifts. And he interrupts her and he's like, and he's like, stop trying to eat Christmas. <laughs> and, like, I don't even really know what that means, but it, like, works. Yeah. Um, there's just so many things like that that are improv, but then it's just so unique to him yeah. that he brought to it that I loved. Uh, and he gets the one F word in the movie too. And it's perfect. When does so he say like, it? He says it after the truth or dare. Oh dude. That is so funny. That's definitely one of the parts that I laughed out loud. Um, but you, you wanted to talk. Yeah. That's, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're playing truth or dare. They're and, at a party. And, and to start it off, Charlie goes, he's cause he's in this, it's, the director calls it the girlfriend from hell sequence. Yeah. He's in this relationship that he doesn't really want to be in, but he's so passive that he kind of got roped into it with this girl who has a dominant personality. Who was like, do you want to go out with me? Yeah. And he's kind of just like, I guess so type of thing. So he says this voiceover and then like, I'll let you, so yeah. he says this voiceover and he's like, and I just like chose like the wrong time. He says something like to be, that. to be truthful or yeah. the worst way to be. And honest then it cuts her. to Bob, this random guy who's weak, like high all the time in a circle of all these friends with Charlie. And he's just like, truth or dare. And, as a moviegoer, when you're watching this, you're just like, oh, fuck. Like, you just, like, know something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. So, Charlie is talking, and uh, <laughs> so they're they're doing Truth or Dare, and 
Charlie's girlfriend is there, but then Emma Watson is also there, who he's really in love with. And they sit on <laughs> as, either side of him. Yeah, and Ezra Miller is like, Charlie, I dare you, because Charlie picks dare. And he's like, Charlie, I dare you to kiss the prettiest girl in the room. And like everyone's like, oh, like laughing or whatever, because he's going to kiss his girlfriend. And then he turns and kisses Emma Watson. <laughs> And everyone just like goes silent for like a couple of seconds. And then Ezra Miller just goes, that's fucked up. Just like, like God says it like under his breath, but yeah. it's like so damn funny. Like it's so good. Yeah. I don't know. That's just one of those things where, I don't know, just the timing and everything is so good. Cause you're like, cause when it happens, whenever he does it, you're just like, no dude. Yeah. Cause like, and even though you like the, his girlfriend is so annoying, you're still just like, dude. Well, and then <laughs> right afterwards, I mean, that kind of stems, you know, uh, this seems very writery, but the like all is lost moment. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah, cause Sam then that fucks up everything. With Sam walks away and he's like, Sam, and he's trying to plead with her and she goes, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And that's so deep, that line, yeah. for a couple reasons, because it's like... Because he has something wrong yeah, with him, like, and legitimately. Yeah, and she's the one person that's helped mm-hmm, him the most mm-hmm, to not mm-hmm. be, feel so bad about himself with yeah. that. And you can see the sinking, feel, sinking feeling in Logan Lerman's face yeah. in that moment. It's like, fuck, Well, dude. that's also a, a real thing that happens, like... You know, I think it's easy to look at a situation from the outside and be like, oh, you need to be patient with this person, and this person has issues, so you need to work on them. But, like, for the people that obviously everyone has stuff wrong with them but like for the person say someone's helping someone out that has a condition and the other person doesn't have like a medical condition but they kind of are patient with that person and put up with a lot and all that stuff like it's really difficult on that person and then you know when they do something that is just kind of like a breaking point there's definitely like a thing like i get where she's coming from like god fucking damn it like yeah like i know you have problems but like what the fuck like how could you do that type of thing um and yeah, so I've, I've definitely experienced that in the sense of like someone that maybe a lot of people don't really connect with, but I like connect with that person on some level and almost like feel bad for them and like put in effort. And then I'm not saying this is right, but it's it's just difficult whenever you reach a point where you're like, it's, you know, when you lose patience with them where you're just like, I can't, yeah. like you're not improving or whatever. You know? I feel like, like I've, I've had that moment personally too. Like where, from which perspective? From, from his, oh, from his. Yeah. yeah that, and um, like... That moment of, like, I feel like I'm trying hard mm-hmm. with myself, and there's moments where I feel like I lie to try to fit in too much, or maybe, you know this, sometimes, and I don't like admitting this, but it's the truth, like, sometimes I'll make a joke that, like, doesn't land at all, and it's really, like, not stemmed from anything natural. It's more so, like, an unconscious fear of, like, acceptance, mm. and it's like, I have to check that mm. a lot. And it's made me often like, you know, I've come such a far away from where I've been, um, but there's still remnants of growth to be had all the time, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, man, like, um, but you wanted to talk about... uh, Ezra Miller? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think he's incredible in this movie. But then also something that I want to dig into that's related to him is... It kind of reminds me of what I was talking to yesterday. I recorded the episode with Catherine about Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. And something that we talked about, and I've talked to you about this as well, is like, I hate whenever there's a scene in a movie and you know what the purpose of the scene is and the writer knows what the purpose of the scene is and you know what the writer's trying to do, but you're not necessarily buying it from the actors. Meaning like the example we were talking about with Goodwill Hunting was um, there are so many movies that do like flirting scenes. 
And yeah, this is yeah, like, yeah. oh, this is the scene where the characters build chemistry. And what I was talking about with Goodwill Hunting is I feel like so many times in the flirting scene, you're like, these people don't really have chemistry, but it's like they're just laughing at each other's jokes because they're they're acting like they're having a great time. But I don't yeah. actually feel like they are really connecting and having a great time. Yeah, well, um, and you guys brought up like the one scene that didn't really work, the therapy scene, like for yeah, both of you, yeah, like yeah. it just kind of like, Oh, and it was like improv. Fake and you're laughter. like, well, I could tell it was yeah, improv. Fake and like, laughter fake about laughter. The, the wife farting. Yeah. But, but so the point that I want to bring up with this movie is, um, so often I feel like, say you have this main character and then they have this group of friends that they like want to be friends with or whatever. Usually it's like that group of friends is like, ah, eh, like they're, they're whatever. Like, I don't like want them, but genuinely, Ezra Miller and Emma Watson's characters, I like love them. And like yeah. their banter is really funny. And like yeah. it, you totally get with Charlie as just being like, they're both so interesting oh, and like yeah. fun. And like, even though it's maybe turns out to be a mask, like they're both so kind of like confident and whatever. And like, like you could imagine if you were a freshman in high school and these two people that are seniors are just kind of like have this perspective on the world and like just fearless type of attitude how it can be so endearing to want to be a part of that like like um Dude, even like some yeah. of the things that they say just like oh write write something about us and he's like call it falcon and the slut it's like yeah, it's yeah. just like so funny yeah. and original yeah, and yeah. different and like they just both are like oh i like i want to hang out with these people like they're cool Dude, well even in that same scene there's a joke they make that i don't get to this day that i like what joke is it so it's the bulimic and bulimis uh-huh. Like I kind of don't get what the point of that is. And like when I first saw this, like the connection of me being like identifying with Charlie and him just kind of like looking at them like uh like yeah. just trying to take it all in. Yeah. I so related to that because it was just like I'm like what is this joke? What are they laughing at? What's happening? But yeah, they're so confident about it and they're just so naturally fun and they get it together. Yeah. It's just, there's a bond with them and there's bits with the two of them. They're like, like when they're at the dance floor and, um, come on Eileen yeah. uh, is playing and they're like, Oh my God, they're playing good music. Yeah, and it's like, they're playing music. good music. Yeah. And he's like living room routine. And then the way he, Ezra Miller is like, Oh, living room routine. <laughs> like they've been waiting to do it for yeah. so long. <laughs> it's just so genuine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love their rapport. But dude, this is a technical film dork thing. The way Emma Watson is so I think you're about to dive into what it was like my next talking point I was talking oh, about. Awesome. But, but keep going. So I want to see if we're so, thinking the same thing. Yeah. So Charlie goes to this football game and he's like really trying to acclimate with people, anybody. Yeah. And he's like totally isolated and it feels weird and but he sees Patrick. It's this guy that made fun of the teacher earlier that day and kind of made him feel a little less alone. And so he sees Patrick cheering on loudly for the football game. And this is the one moment that people kind of look at as like, oh, this is nice. But this is like Charlie being a hero. And this is him giving active, like being active in his story. He decides not to just sit there and like look at this kid from mm, afar. He decides yeah. to go sit next to him. And he could have, he was across the aisle. He could have still like went back. Yeah. But took that moment of courage to be like, hey, Patrick. Yeah. Called him uh, by his name, and everyone calls him nothing yeah, um, yeah. as like an ongoing joke. Um, and he's like, he's like, "Hey, you're the good kid from Sharpcott," and they start getting along, and they just talk for a brief second, kind of click. Emma Watson comes in. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Oh, hey, Sam." We we turn with Charlie, like with the camera. 
There's a fucking football light, like a street light, um, behind her head. The director's even mentioned this, but before I'm like, dude, that's just such beautiful. It's like she's an angel in his life. Yeah. And he's like, I wanted to give that halo effect to her. And I'm mm. like, fuck, that's so cool that that yeah. like emotionally connected. And then right then, it's just like the way Logan looks, you can tell he's so enamored and flustered with like her presence. And she sits on his left and Patrick's on his right. And he's kind of sandwiched into this new bond that he has with these friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love, cause that's like, you know, in writer terms, like the inciting incident kind of, because that's when the story picks up these friends help him along with this journey. And it's just like that connected to me personally as well. And I'm sure you probably have no, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, well, that was the main thing. Or the next thing that I wanted to get into is like, I just think the way that they paint Emma Watson and like her essence throughout this whole, that sounds so no, douchey. Yeah, but like of course, but yeah. literally just like the feeling and the mood of like every scene that she's in, you know, and I don't know enough to know about like like that makes a lot of sense what you said about the lighting, but just the way that she like the energy she exudes in every scene, I'm just yeah. like, yes, like I want this girl. Like like it's, so it's charismatic. Just, it's so, like, but also yeah. just like even more than that, like the way they use music in the scene she's in, the way that the ca- the angles they shoot her in, and the way she is looking at the camera, it's just like you said. It's like you don't, you know, a lot of times in movies, I just feel like it's like, oh yeah, well that's the girl that he likes, or that's the guy that she likes, or whatever. But in this, yeah. I'm like, no, like I love that girl, dude. Like her I vulnerable get it. moments in this film, I can't even describe how heartbreaking they are to me. Yeah. Like when she really opens her heart up to Charlie and says things like. Like the first kiss scene that they have, mm-hmm. and she's just like, she says, you know, Charlie, and she starts. She first starts off with deflections and jokes, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Have you ever been kissed before, Charlie, and mm-hmm. by a girl?" And he's like, "No, have you?" And she says, "Have I ever been kissed by a girl before?" And he's uh-huh. like, "No." And then yeah. the reason she says it's like kind of a cute joke, but it's also a deflection because of her sexual abuse that yeah. she dealt with, and then she admits like. Charlie, you know, I've been treated by shit by a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, and that's just like kind of what I've been like used to. And the way she says it, it's not her forcing an emotion. It's like, dude, if you were to ask her, I bet she'd be like, oh, that was so personal to me. Mm. And like how it connected to that movie meant so much to me because all her vulnerable moments just looked so stripped to the bone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you're really seeing someone in their eyes. Yeah. Um, it's the milkshake scene in particular is probably my favorite scene of them two, aside from the last scene where they kiss yeah, in yeah. the bedroom. And that's not the last scene, but like no, near the yeah. end. But the milkshake scene, there's something about like, you know, a crush or early love or young love or whatever, when you have that feeling of like, before you know for sure that someone likes you when it's like that level of like curiosity of like, does this person like, like me type of yeah, thing. And yeah. it's like, it's like even more exciting than when you know they like you. Cause there's like, I don't know. Like, but yeah, th- like- I didn't even know if this is a possibility, but now it might be. And like the way, cause Charlie gets high at the party and then he says, I want a milkshake. And then it just cuts to her, like making a milkshake. And I swear this is not to be like, Oh, I want a woman that like makes a milkshake for me. But like just the way that that scene plays, I'm like, if you were this kid that was like at some high school party and you had a crush on this girl and then the girl's like, all right, well come in the kitchen and I'll make you a milkshake. It would just be like the way my mind would take it. At least I'd be like, bro, is there like something going on with this girl? You <laughs> yeah, know, and not, yeah, to yeah. Say, not to say bro. And like, this is so awesome. But just like, 
yeah, like there's something about young love. Like this yeah. whole, this movie in general made me reconnect to a lot of feelings that I had when I was younger and in high school and shit. Yeah. And like that one, it's like I was getting like this feeling in the pit of my stomach of like, God, I remember different times that like I kind of had a crush on a girl. And then we like, even if nothing came from it, um, ultimately, you know, there's like a, like a feeling of, uh, yeah, just like excitement. Like, like one that I'm thinking of right now, I'm not going to say her name, but there was this girl that was like really attractive that was in our school. And I didn't even, it was like, I knew her just cause we kind of had a lot of the same friends, but also like we never had a class together or anything. And, um, then I was at like a bonfire one time. Like sometimes we would do those things like where you'd have a party and they have a bonfire going on in someone's backyard And just, like, her and I had, like, never really talked before. And then she's, like, sitting next to me. And uh, and, in high school, this is a pretty huge deal. Like, we're talking and all this stuff. And then she's just kind of, like, like her leg is, like, leaning against my leg type of thing. And And so then I'm, like, is this, like... I mean, this is insane. I've never really talked to this girl. Is this a thing that's going on right now? And (laughs) then, like, as we started talking more, then she was, like, leaning her head on my shoulder. And it's just, like... Yeah, like those moments, it's like when you're that age and you really haven't experienced that much and like that's happening. For me, it's like those are like still like huge moments that I remember as far as just like the impact that a feeling like that can have on you. It's like that's such a big, important moment in your life at yeah. that time. And how do you like feel this interests me? Because how do you feel? I, how do you feel about like that innocence, like re like relighting in you, if that makes Mm. sense. Like, because, you know, it could be taken either two ways. It could be like an ignorance of innocence. Like, like, Oh, I was just so innocent. I didn't really know what's to come. Or it could be like, this is what I need to fuel a lot of my interactions to this day. It doesn't mean you need to fall in love with everybody, but I'm just talking about like genuinely feeling that euphoric, like, Oh my gosh, I have a connection or, Oh my gosh, this is happening. You know, that that instant like slight leg touching feeling that like in the movie theater, you don't know, you, both your hands are on the armrest, like <laughs> You know what I mean? Like No, yeah. I, I don't I mean, I don't know what the right answer is. I think the the boring answer, but probably the right answer is like that it's all about balance. Like you can't be just like you said falling in love with everybody, but I also think that we it sounds so cliché, but I just think it's true. It's like you go through life um kind of like realizing that uh that you get hurt if you do that so then you kind of just naturally i definitely think what i did was you know the typical way of saying it is like i rejected people before they could reject me but basically it was just like you know if i'm working at a restaurant and some girl starts walking there working there and like every dude likes her i'm just like all right well like you know, this it's like I start looking for things to like not like about her so that that way there's like no pressure I'm like yeah she's not really shit like she's not important like whatever yeah. and then yeah whenever I have moments of feeling open or whatever when a movie opens me up I think that's why I get so emotional is because it's striking some kind of chord of feeling like I lost something like I think I told you this a while back I had never woken up from a dream crying before um, I had heard people tell me that before um And I woke up from a dream crying and what it was, was in the dream, I was with my family and there was some kind of invention or something in the dream where you could watch, 
it doesn't even really make sense, but you could watch like old home videos mm. and then you could go inside the home videos and like be in like a memory basically. Yeah. Like interact with it. Kind yeah. Of like a jumping in Pleasantville kind of thing. Yeah, but, exactly. Okay, yeah. So there was this memory of us like on a family vacation and I don't know, I was maybe like four or five years old or something like that. And I jumped in and the younger me was like joking around with someone else in our family that I kind of am not the biggest fan of in real life. But in the memory, I was like a young little kid and I was like joking around and like just being really friendly with this person. And um, I was like, uh, I walk up to the younger me and the young me turns around and like looks at myself. And I was just looking at the younger me and there was like all this feeling inside of me of like, I used to be so like happy and innocent and nice. Like I used to be like this really nice, like good person when I was a little kid and then something changed and I'm not this like innocent, nice person anymore. And so then I like started like crying and then the little me is like, why are you crying? And then my mom is who's also in the memory, like looks at me. She's like, are you crying? And then she's like, Hey everyone, like Taylor's crying. Like, and then, <laughs> and then I literally like woke up right then and I was actually crying and I was like, what the fuck was oh, that? That's crazy, like, yeah. that's like one of those dreams that doesn't, <laughs> what the fuck it, it, that? <laughs> it doesn't even seem like a real dream. It seems like a dream that would be in a movie scene where you're like, real dreams aren't like that. Yeah. Like, like they're that, like that dream works for this plot device to communicate this thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but that's not like how real dreams are. Real dreams are much more abstract and just like weird shit that kind of doesn't make sense. But for that, I just like woke up and I was like, wow, I'm like sad that I'm not this like happy, innocent person that I used to be. Yeah. And not to say that I'm depressed all the time and shit, but I definitely feel like when I was a kid, for lack of a better word, I think especially what the younger I was, I was kind of like very soft, like very nice to everyone and very like kind of emotional and whatever. And then I think people kind of started not bullying, that's too strong of a word, but like, you know, getting teased or whatever. And I think I was kind of confused for a while of like, why is this happening? Like, what is going on? And then I, it was like the concept of being cool was introduced to me. And then I started like wanting to be like one of the cool kids. Whereas like in kindergarten or first grade or whatever, I was just like, whatever. But I think once I hit like second and third grade, it was like, I was trying to be cool. And then I pretty much kept that track all the way until like, senior year of high school as pathetic as that sounds meaning like I always felt like I was like the least cool person in the group of cool kids like yeah. I was like the butt of a lot of jokes and stuff like I still hung out with all of them yeah. but I was always kind of like really insecure and just like cared a lot about what I said and what they thought about what I said and yeah, stuff man. yeah and then somewhere around senior year and like into college you kind of or I kind of started feeling like man like fuck all this noise like type of thing like what's cool is like saying the things that you actually believe and feel and stuff and it's funny how that works because it's like you know the people that in my high school at least that like run the day are the people that we don't talk about feelings we don't do this and that's gay and this is that or whatever and you know making fun of everybody and stuff and then when you get older and you look back or once you start getting older with becomes cool is like oh no the people that just do the stuff they believe in like that's the cool thing yeah and that, that's why also like it relates to this movie in the sense of what um sam and patrick are like but i, I talk to my cousin about this all the time so we were both on the basketball team and there was this our cross country team was really good we didn't run cross country but we had a cross country team that was really good and they were 
all these kids that we would kind of like make fun of, but they didn't like care that we made fun of them. Not that we were like super mean or anything, but we were just like, those kids are fucking weird. Like yeah, that type yeah. of thing. And like, oh my God, look, and they came to school and they dyed their hair red for the meat they have this weekend. And because our schools were black and red was the color. Yeah, and yeah. It's just like, they would do all these weird things and they were always like, I don't know, doing weird events and going to stuff and just like, they just like didn't give a fuck. And we were like, the popular ones quotes like everyone would have said that we were the popular ones but like looking back i'm like so jealous of their high school experience i'm like they were just having fun and they didn't give a fuck that they were or were not the cool ones and we were like trying so hard to like uphold this image and like do what we thought was cool and act a certain way whereas these other kids were just like cutting loose and having a blast and like being who they really wanted to be and they were so accepting of each other and all these different personalities because the cross-country team was huge it was like a hundred people so it was just like this huge like community of people that were just super supportive and they were all friends and all this stuff whereas like our basketball team like we were friends and stuff but we even within the basketball team which was only like 15 people we would like judge each other and like had our things but yeah the cross-country team in general like it was just weird community of people that it's like because they weren't living in the pressure of being a popular person they were just this awesome like energy and seemed way happier than we were (laughs) yeah dude yeah no i feel that i mean i felt like that with the wrestling team at my high school Mm. i remember being like dude those kids don't give a fuck and like that's so (laughs) admirable like and i played football and i was in theater so like you know people would look at me like oh he doesn't care yeah like look at him he has his theater friends and so he's not care about his feminine side and the football friends they all get along he's like popular and i like in my head i'm just like melting of like Oh, did I say the right thing? Is that going to spread yeah, around school? Yeah. Like, oh, and like one friend I heard like got um got bullied mm-hmm. in my theater class and like I didn't see it, but apparently it was around me. Okay. And then I felt guilty. I'm like, did I actually see it and ignore it? Mm. Am I just like worried about popular kids like, oh my god, did that really happen? You know, all these different thoughts mess with you yeah. in high school. And uh I mean, it even affected me later, but like it's just so much like you get in your own way because of so many exterior factors that you're not prepared for mm-hmm. in a sense. I don't know. No. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's yeah. It, and I think that's why, especially now I, I'd be interested to know what I would have thought of Sam and Patrick. So Ezra Miller and Emma Watson's characters, if I would have seen this movie somehow, it wasn't out yet, but say I could have watched this movie for the first time when it was in high school. I honestly think I probably would have judged them. Like, and been like, they're kind of fucking weird and whatever, and not like them nearly as much. Whereas now I watch the movie and I'm like, God, these, you know, they're portraying teenagers. Yeah. They're so ahead of their time in the way they view the world. It's like they fit in with that cross country team that I was talking about of like not giving a fuck and just yeah. being who they are. And they have their insecurities, obviously, but they still just go for it and are who they are yeah. and like showcase their personalities. And that's why I think they're so attractive to me as a viewer, but also to Charlie is because they're just confident in who they are. I have two friends, um, you know, they're brother and sister, and uh, and they're like my Patrick and Sam, mm-hmm. except that they're they're the Sam and Charlie relationship is like they're like romantically into each other. Yeah, for me, it's just friends, and I never felt like before I met them that I had like true friends, and they came right around this time, right when I like saw this movie is right around the time I met them. Mm. And so part of me is like, wow, just so many things happen at once. And they were, 
they were just undoubtedly themselves and just there for me unconditionally. And I admired the hell out of that. And it made me think like, would I have been a judgmental asshole or Um, would I would have been cool and been friends with them in high school? And like, I don't know. I'm like so thankful for those friends. And it's just another reason why this movie's personal to me. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, one, like, I'm going to kind of loop these two things together. No, so, so we kind of talked about young love a little bit, but I feel like the young love aspect of this movie and also just like the ups and downs that I don't know if everyone feels this way, but how I felt when I was in high school, I was kind of an emotional wreck in the sense of like, you know, some girl that I like says something to me one day and we kind of flirt for a couple seconds and then I'm like in a good mood and like today yeah. was a good day or I have a good basketball game and then I'm in a great mood for two days. You know, just like the ups and downs of high school come in or, you know, I get a bad grade and my parents cared a lot about grades. So it's like my world is ending type of thing. Like, Dude, you know, yeah. but, but, but also just like you have something that's slightly embarrassing at lunch in front of all your friends and then that's a bad day and you just feel like a loser and just like all this shit. Just like, I feel like the movie communicates so well kind of the ups and downs of like life like for example you know not that it's not a big deal but like you know when there's the scene where emma watson's like upset with charlie and it's like nowadays in my life if someone like gets mad at me i don't like like it can be frustrating but i but there's also a part of my brain where i'm like at some point we'll talk this out and we'll be good and we'll get back to normal whereas like you know, when you're a kid, it's like when there's a fight, it's like, oh, no, like the love of my life is upset with me now. And just like the way they use music and they like lean into that. I just feel like it really communicates what it feels like to be a teenager in high school that's insecure and just like every day feels like a roller coaster of ups and downs. Dude, yeah. Um, and especially the love aspect of it, like how, you know, there's a scene where he's like really into Emma Watson where he's thinking it's kind of going well. But then there's the party scene right after where... She's with her older boyfriend. Oh and yeah, he, yeah, because they have their first conversation on the um on the uh the benches. Um, not first conversation, but that's when he gives her the mixtape. Yeah, he's like, I tried to find the tunnel song, but I couldn't. Yeah. it's kind of casual. Like he yeah. tried to act like it was totally yeah. chill. Yeah. And she looks and she's like, "You have really good taste in music." Yeah, Charlie. and it's like, and oh, they're like getting somewhere. It cuts to fucking Craig. He's <laughs> her like, real boyfriend. Yeah, and Craig says some like fucking cheesy shit. Like someone's just like. So I heard you write poetry, Dude, Greg. I have And he's like, poetry writes me, you know? <laughs> you know? And he <laughs> turns towards Charlie, and Charlie's not having any of it. Yeah. Charlie's just like, and then, like, he changes the music, and it's like this total mainstream, like, commercial, yeah. like, hip-hop music or yeah. something. And then he, like, gives a little, like, like nudge towards Charlie in the shoulder. It's the most subtle shade I've ever seen from this character, but it's my favorite. Charlie just kind of gives him like a, like he has a cup in his hand that's yeah. a drink and he yeah. just like, like puts it up in the air and he's like, gives like a slight wink and then right afterwards is like, like introverts yeah. into himself and you see how much <laughs> hatred he has. Well, I just so think like, we can all relate, or maybe not all of us, but I, you know, definitely relate to that feeling of having really strong feelings for someone and they're with someone else and you're just like, dude, this fucking person, <laughs> yeah. like how and yeah. why? And you and you hate that person and like the pain of like the way they shoot the shot of him watching them two dancing and you're just like off to the side and it's oh, like, yeah. that shit is killer. Bro. Well, dude, like, and it intercuts like casually. You remember with like, it shows them dancing yeah. and then it cuts to his close up and you see him just like heartbroken. You're like, yeah. what the hell? And then it cuts back and it's not him dancing with her anymore. Yeah. It's Craig. Yeah. Exactly. And you're like, oh shit, and that yeah. never happened. And it's just yeah. like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, in the way, um, 
like, I don't know, like, because I'll think about there was, I, there's definitely one girl in high school that I remember the crush situation like happened. And then she kind of like was like, I'm not into it anymore. Yeah. And then I like found out like two weekends later that she had hooked up with someone that was like a senior. I was like a sophomore or something okay. like that. And I'm just like, Ugh. like, it's like the, yeah. I, like, I, you just get that feeling of like, like, Charlie can't compete with this dude yeah. who's way older than him, has a place, is has is a photographer and like has all these cool pictures and stuff. It's like you can't compete with that. And like for me it was like the girl the girl and then this new guy, it was like, you know, he was really good at sports and on the football team and the baseball team and the basketball team was good at all of them. And it's just like, God, like like, the, like what are you and, and, and he's like yeah. taller and bigger than me oh, and you're just yeah. like and like was way more popular and you're just like how do I like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. it just makes you feel so small like dude that's so great that you even say that line like that just now because Patrick keeps saying that uh, sorry no, this yeah. is just a casual transition no that's so no, perfect I'm, I'm into like it. I'm interested that line that Patrick always talks about with um with Sam and then Charlie in their last scene mentions is Patrick's like, I just wish... And it's right when Craig's dancing with her mm-hmm. and he's talking about like to their friends like how he approves of Craig. And Patrick, once again, is uh, Sam's brother. But he's sitting there and he's like... He's like, yeah, she always chooses these guys that are just... I just... She, she shouldn't act so small. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh. And, and then, you know, going into favorite lines that gets paid back with the last Charlie and um, Sam scene which Emma Watson and they're um, they're there and fucking Charlie is just without even knowing it just the smoothest criminal in this scene <laughs> and like he he's like you know you don't have to be small you're not small uh-huh. you're beautiful uh-huh. and I'm like fuck dude that's yeah. just like <laughs> so perfect and then he goes in confidently for the kiss and it's like dude this guy's come so far <laughs> like I'm so proud of you and uh but then in that moment I this this talking about the ups and downs of this movie right then in that moment like she starts like touching his leg a little bit uh-huh. and he kind of backs off for a second and she's like what's wrong yeah, Charlie yeah, and he's yeah, like yeah. nothing and it kind of just sits with you and then gets paid back later that that was um, a moment of traumatic stress. Yeah. No, it's, um, I don't know that, that, uh, but that ending scene's incredible. Can I, can I, I also, you know, I don't know how much time we have left, but like, I we got time. I was checking oh. level, the levels thing. Oh, okay. Do cool. me a favor. Move your mic just like a hair further away from you. Like, j- like see if you can, like it bends to so try to push it straight back. Like, is it okay like, to, like that. Oh, fancy. All right, let's do that. Cool. And then I can try to. I think I'm just gonna take your level down a little bit in post. We'll okay. In post. Um, so, sorry about that. No, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I, I would be remiss and hate myself if I didn't mention this scene or this line. Um, but this scene too. So after. After what we talked about with Craig and that just obnoxious boyfriend that we're all annoyed with that we've usually somehow encountered in some way or another in life, like, Charlie is just like, what do I do? And the girl that I love just, like, always falls for these guys that make her feel bad about herself. And he goes to up to his teacher, played by the amazing Paul, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, so good. And... It's he, weird how small his role is in this movie, although I don't remember how big of a star he was at the time. Yeah, it's so impactful. Well, he, they only got him there for two days or a day uh, okay. or something. That makes or, sense. Yeah, and 
they're saying how like awesome Paul what was 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 on on set. Yeah. Um, but that scene where Charlie goes up to him and it's just like he goes, "Hey, Mr. Anderson," and uh, and then he gets Paul Rudd's attention, who plays his teacher, and he's like, um, "Why do um, like uh, I, yeah. yeah good people uh, decide to like uh, you know be with people that." Like make them not happy or with the wrong or why are good people all so often with the wrong person? Yeah, yeah, that, like that. yeah, that's closer to the line. And uh, he's like, "Is this anyone specific?" And then Charlie just kind of subtly nods. Yeah. And then he's like, "Well," and then he says the famous line, "We accept the love we think we deserve." Yeah. And when I first heard that line, it was like an earthquake kind of thing. <laughs> like not to be too dramatic, but seriously, <laughs> it was like it was like whoa. Like I'd like never even considered or something like, yeah. oh shit, that is so, and like, I don't know if I swing too far to the other side of the pendulum, like with how much that connected with me now that I really don't satisfy, like sit satisfied in relationships or friendships. Like I make sure I have quality of friends because it's like, no, if they're not willing to reach out, like. Like, no, that doesn't, if I always have to be the one that reaches out and I just feel disinterest, it's like, what is this? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I deserve better than this. And you have to know that, like, if you really, like, find a good path to love yourself, to be able to find who's also there to love you as well in that, in the capacity that you wanted and needed. Yeah. Um, and it took me a long time to figure that out in life. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I feel like maybe I'm getting on right footing in this movie with that fucking line just hit so hard for me yeah i have i have kind of an interesting relationship with that line in the sense that i get it like i understand what it means yeah and uh you know i feel like so many people say things like that they maybe haven't put it together in that poetic and concise of a sentence but like the idea of like if you don't believe that you deserve someone that loves you then you'll put up with someone abusing you and shit like that we also got into this in the goodwill hunting podcast but it's like yeah for me I don't know. I kind of wonder, like, because there have definitely been times when I've pursued someone that hasn't treated me great. Not that anything horrible, but just like no, someone yeah. that, like, like you said, like showing disinterest and all this stuff. And I'm pursuing them and I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I think, like, is it possible? Obviously, for the movie's purposes, it's not that, uh, it's not that, um, like, obviously, Sam, that's the point, is that she, doesn't think she deserves someone that really loves her but i would also argue that like when i'm in high school you know and a lot of girls like the older guys that everyone else and like all the guys in high school are like this douche like why do you want that guy but I, is it possible that just that girl is putting some kind of status on this guy or she thinks he's good looking or like because he's older and has this status that that's like something to be that's more valuable than this yeah. kid in high school yeah I, and like that's kind of what i think for me, at least, in my life, not saying, because I definitely think there's an aspect of if someone is hard to get or, like, not showing interest in you, it can make them more attractive because it seems like, oh, since they're harder to get, they must be more valuable. That's the way that I think my brain works of, like, you want what you can't have yeah. type of thing. And I think that a lot of times the reason you want what you can't have is because the fact that it's hard makes it seem as if it's more valuable or rare or unique or different. Whereas something that comes easy or someone that's really into you, it's like... Is she, there's maybe like a feeling of like, is she just easy? Like, would she be like this to everyone type of thing? Whereas mm -hmm. like someone that's hard to get, it's like, well, if I get them, that's like a prize, you know, like not yeah, everyone yeah. can get them. It's like a dog or a cat. 
Yeah. Like a dog loves everybody, but a cat, like when a cat likes you, it's kind of it's a like, cooler oh, feeling. Like it's like, special, oh yeah, like, like yeah, because yeah, when someone comes to the door, this cat is afraid of them. Whereas this dog will run away and go like jump all over them. Yeah. But so yeah, that I think that's the reason that I understand that line and I definitely think it's a thing. But for me personally, I don't know if I've ever necessarily been pursuing someone that didn't treat me great because I was like, oh, I think that's all I deserve. Because also in life, whenever I've been attracted to someone and then they start like treating me well, I'm like way more attracted to them. I'm like, that's so cool that they're like yeah. into me type yeah. of thing. So I don't know. That that line is interesting to me. I had two, you know, well, I had one relationship and one like thing and uh, where that I felt played into effect. Mm. And it mostly plays more into effect with me, I think on the conscious level of friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely like in high school um, with one relationship, I remember feeling like, Oh, like always trying to like, like even during the relationship, like, Oh, trying to make it work and have the, like keep the like fire alive or whatnot. And then it just like fizzling out. And then me feeling like the reason it was fizzling out is cause there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Um, and so that was just one of those hurdles that I needed to get over. And I think maybe wasn't addressed fully. So when I heard that line, it was like a culmination of like inadequate friendships that I've had with had in the past. And also um, like unresolved, unconscious uh, feelings from past like important relationships like that I had with my first relationship in high school. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting cause I think it does affect the individual differently. Um, yeah, just with me, it, it just hits me hard. I get, I get that too. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I do think like even when people do get attracted to status, there is some kind of like, like say even in perks for some reason if they dived into the guys she was into like actually were popular kids and mm-hmm. like say they dived into that like I mean there is some sort of just like like just status claim that you can have but underlying that if you are just going for status isn't that in and of itself somewhat materialistic yeah so really that could be a layer of you hiding your emotional like truth which is like you're not accepting the love you really know that you deserve. It's kind of like in stories how it's like want versus need. It's like, oh, you you really want like this person, but you don't really know what you need until mm-hmm. you have it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of how love works mm-hmm. for the uh, um for me personally. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's all you know uh, point of view. How does this movie make you feel in the sense of when you watch it, do you feel happy? Do you feel melancholic, uh, sad, mixture, combination? It's different, like on different rewatches. How did you feel this last time? This last time, um, I felt cathartically, like, melancholic. Mm -hmm. And then I felt through that, like like fucking like inspired to go out and mm. fucking make something mm-hmm. of my life. Like, um, make something of my you know life. what I mean? Like, I, I know. All right. Like, why don't we get on and make something? Of my life? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, 
yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's usually the feeling that it always... There's so many parts of this that relate that I relate with. Like, just so many minor moments that I'm just with the journey. Mm-hmm. So, usually, I'm with the journey. This last time, I noticed some, like, technical shit. Mm. Like, I'm like, oh, they're pushing... Like, there's, like, a slight push in on Charlie here because the world's becoming too much. I'm like, that's kind of cool. And then, like... I'm like, was I just making that shit up? And then, like, the next scene, it's, like, pulling out, and it's showing him more isolated. I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't, like, because that kind of connects. Um, but then the story's so good that, you know, I don't know, like, as, like, a writer or actor, you ever watch something, and you're just like, all right, I'm going to focus on, like, this thing mm-hmm. and only this thing so I can get better in mm-hmm. this aspect. And you start watching it, and then you're like, <laughs> that, that was pretty fun and you're just like in the story <laughs> and everything that you planned on to watch the movie to begin with just goes out the window yeah, yeah. and at the if end the movie's good if the movie's that good and yeah. at the, you're just like what the fuck what and yeah. you just like realize like why did i watch this e- yeah god damn yeah, it i just got wrapped up yeah and with perks i just get wrapped up every time with charlie and uh yeah the ending and that monologue he says and it just goes back, and I said it earlier in the conversation about you're not just a sad story. Yeah. Because that's what I'm feeling like in that moment. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm like the sad story right here. But like, you're not like you can be alive in a moment through living in the moment with the people that you know are there for you and love you most mm-hmm. and can like genuinely show you compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, it, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I think a lot of times movies like this that are kind of coming of age movies um and it's like you know this person goes through a lot of ups and downs and learns a lot and makes friends and loses friends and then usually has to say goodbye in some sense at the end they're very melancholic for me in the sense of like number one did this one hit you like that too yeah um but i love it like like it's weird it's like it makes me feel kind of sad but i love it at the same time Mm. um because I think for a lot of reasons, one of them is because I think it makes me feel like, I don't know, like this is shitty to say or weird to say, but like envious of like this person's experience. Like, Mm, oh, they like did this thing, like, like take a movie like this or like the way, way back where it's like this kid goes on this summer trip and he meets all these people and he has this girl and he like goes for it and he kind of gets the girl and like but then it's like go away back home for for the end of summer and then he's grown so much and all this stuff or this movie he meets these two friends and he goes through all these ups and downs and he then he makes these memories and he falls in love with this girl and it's like it's so romantic and like dramatic and good and powerful and moving that you're just like fuck like like i don't know if my real life like hits like that like if it like hits and I've ever had that magical moment and I feel like in life you kind of have occasionally those moments of like magic but it's like you watch a movie like this and you're just like I just like want that like yeah in my life like all the time you know or um with the relationship I feel like that yeah yeah I I feel that that envy you're talking about with the Sam relationship I I totally understand that Yeah. yeah and and it's I think that's something that's difficult for me in life in general because it makes me think about like, oh, high school. I wish my high school experience was like that, which is weird because it's not a super happy story for this kid the whole way through. But yeah. it's just like the jealousy of like going on this epic journey and like going through all this stuff. And um, I I often feel that way in general about like nostalgia. Like uh, it's really difficult for me to revisit my past and not 
like long for it yeah. in a sense. Like like it's the same. We've talked about this briefly. I think like it's hard for me to go back to my old high school and not feel like kind of sad's maybe too strong of a word, but like this weird unsettling feeling of like I'm so familiar with this. I just miss it. Like well, I just and, that, and and not even that not even that my high school experience was all that great. It's yeah. it's almost like a longing for wishing I was back there and wishing I would have enjoyed it more. And maybe that's just like a trick that life plays on us and maybe it's not even real and maybe when we look back on everything we think like oh if I could go back now I could enjoy it more type of thing. Because yeah. then there's also the aspect of like well just enjoy your life now like why can't you just do it now? Yeah. Like, you know like why are you living in the past? But yeah, it's just uh I don't know. I know I just said a lot of bullshit, but no, dude, it's it's really bullshit. difficult for me yeah. to like the note that I have here. It's really difficult for me to experience nostalgia and being like, oh, that was so great. Like, it's hard for me to follow that Dr. Seuss line of don't cry because it's over. Smile because it's happened. Oh, like, yeah. I'm like in the middle. <laughs> Like I can't, <laughs> yeah. like I, like I'm not just completely sad. I'm not just like completely just sad. Kinda, yeah. I'm like looking back and I'm kind of like, oh, that was so great. And I'm like, fuck, like I kind of wish I was like back there in that. Like, I think both you and I get moment. attracted to that in the middle feeling though. Yeah. Like that, like, cause I definitely lean more on the sentimentality, I think than you do. But I do think that you and I share a combination of wanting feelings that are both tragic in nature and euphoric Mm -hmm. like and the combination of the two gives like fulfillment in some way i don't know well i think i'm just really attracted to that euphoric feeling like i talked to you about this before like there's you know there have been moments in my life of like not to just god it sounds like i'm fucking obsessed with love but i guess i am but it's just like all but but like but like that feeling of like you know there's like I, I can think back to like specific moments of like a situation that I had with someone that I had feelings for and it just being this kind of like perfect moment. And like when you think back on it, like like there's one that I always think back of where there was this girl I was really into and we kind of had like a thing going on for a little bit and we were like in a car and driving and it was just like the windows were down and it was like sunset and it was like perfect weather and just like music playing and just like holding hands and just like looking at her and it was like this su- sh- oh, it was yeah. like the, the emma watson shit yeah, like yeah. this shot out of a movie where her hair is blowing and she looks back at me and smiles and the sun's setting right behind her and you're just like this is like the happiest i've ever been in my life like like this moment is literally perfect <laughs> like yeah and so in that moment and, you and, were infinite yeah and it's just funny because or not funny but it's just like you have those moments and I'm not like, yeah, it's like you said, euphoric. You're just like, I just need that. Like, I just want that like all yeah, the time. And yeah. I know it's, I know it's insane to, you know, you can never expect that, but yeah. it's like sad when you have that. And then you feel like you haven't had it for a while and just like, Oh, like I used to have these things in my life that were like exciting things. Yeah. Like those magical uh, dude. Sometimes, you know, I live near universal studios mm-hmm. and I just like, I don't know if this is like masochistic or mm-hmm. like, but like it was raining like a couple months ago mm-hmm. and I just like walked up to Universal Studios and it's like a half a mile, mm-hmm. like walking in the rain, but then hearing like just the fucking music and like, like I know it's very romantic, but just that like feeling of it, it's going back to nostalgia is what I'm tie, tying it into and like connecting to like a longing for a time that was kind of thing. Mm. Um, and 
in that I relate to you in regards to like envy with like, oh my God, this moment of like when I was with my buddies in high school and it was just like, we're all like hanging out or I was with this girl and we're like, you know, I was in musical theater. So we're like singing together and we like look at each other and it's like, whoa, are we like really connected right now? And it's like, neither of us even say it, but it's talking about like that thing that's unsaid. Yeah, dude. It's uh, so intense whenever you have those situations with someone. Or it's awesome whenever you have those situations with someone where it's like, you know, this romantic thing and it's kind of like an unspoken thing, but you're both definitely feeling it like looking into each other's eyes and like neither of you feeling awkward type of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's so weird. And it's, yeah. I would have been like really embarrassed to talk about that when I was younger. But it's like when you get older and you start having more of them and you just realize like how valuable or Oh, dude, I couldn't talk about that in high school. <laughs> you know, There's yeah. no way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would have just been like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, like could you imagine if you're like at lunch in high school and been like, dude, how great is it whenever you're just with a girl and you have those moments where you're just staring into each other's well, eyes? Well, my football buddies and, neither, and neither of you are saying anything and you're just staring at her. And it's and like, <laughs> like everyone would like, be like, can you shut up before <laughs> I slap the shit out of you? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so one thing, just d- digging into that melancholic thing a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty obsessed with the idea of like having people in your life that were a big part of your life and then losing them and then looking back on life and being like, oh, that's so weird that like there was a time when that person was in my life like a lot. And I knew everything about them and all that stuff. And now it's like, I have no idea what's going on with them. Like, maybe you haven't talked to them for five years. Just like I think back on high school friends or like someone that was a love interest for a short span of time or something. And I'm just like, man, there was a time when we were like into each other. Like, it's it's so weird to think about. And um, even in that last monologue, they talk about, you know, one day these will just be images on the wall. Yeah. And there'll be stories to tell our future selves. But right now, like in this moment... All I'm doing is looking at her and she's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And it goes into the rest. But. All right. So there's two last things I want to get into. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do these out of order, but there's a reason for it. So. Nonlinear story time. The, <laughs> the end reveal of the ant is fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. For people that don't know, Charlie, this is the biggest spoiler of the movie. So if you really want to go watch the movie, then don't listen to the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Until then. Um. He, the whole time, he's talking about his aunt that died and how much he loves her and how great she was and she loved him. And you're seeing these flashbacks and the aunt is awesome to him in all these flashbacks and, like, is the one person that he thinks, like, truly understood him. But you also get that she has her demons a little bit. And, you know, she died in a car accident. And then at the end, there's a reveal when Emma Watson and Charlie are kind of about to, like, maybe have sex for the first time. And she puts her hand on his leg and he kind of has a flashback of his aunts putting her hand on his leg when he was a little kid. And the fact that his aunt, who was like his favorite person in the world, molested him when he was just a tiny kid. And you're just like, whoa. Like, it's so... And it's another... It goes into another incredibly powerful montage. Like, I remember... That montage. What's crazy is I had read the book. But oh, I read shit. the book like two years before I saw the movie. Okay. And I kind of, I don't know, I, as much as I love stories and stuff, I actually have a weirdly selective memory. Like sometimes I can see a movie and two days later you can be like, hey, did you see such and such? I'm like, oh yeah, I saw it the other day. And you'll be like, oh, like isn't that so, like you might be like, the ending was so great. And I'll be like, yeah, 
wait, fuck, how did it end? Like, like yeah, trying to remember. Yeah. And if I really love it, I'll remember it. Yeah. But like, if something's just good, sometimes I can be like, wait, what was the last scene? And then you'll tell me and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. So I had seen the book and I, or I'd read the book, loved it, saw the movie like two years later and I was just watching it and I like completely forgot that the aunt molested him. And so like when it hit that part, I, it's, I think it's always, I always say this to you that it's a sign that a movie is really good when it makes me talk out loud. Yeah. Like if I'm watching it by myself and I remember like, Whenever it happened, I just remember being like, holy fuck, dude. (laughs) Like, you're just so not ready for it. And then it happens. And yeah, that whole montage of him breaking down and banging his head on the wall. It's all all my fault. It's all my fault. Like, that whole thing is so fucking good and just disturbing. Well, the intercutting, too, because we, the whole movie, we're kind of at a distance from Charlie sometimes. Yeah. And we have close ups, but. When he's having the breakdown, there's a bunch of jump cuts in the montage, and it's getting closer to him. Yeah. And it seems like it's all becoming too anxiously much. Like, mm-hmm. all of it's too much. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, dude, Logan just fucking kills it in that scene. All right, last point I want to make. Their, their kiss in the bedroom scene at the end yeah, is one of, like... In my opinion, one of like the best buildups to a kiss, like ever. Yeah. Like seriously, like the conversation that happens before, and like where it's going, and like you know it's gonna happen, but it's just like the most cathartic thing whenever oh, they finally yeah. kiss. Like, I don't, I, I honestly, I just have it written down that it's one of the best things. But I wish I remembered the lines they're saying to each other more. So it's probably gonna sound cheesy if we try to recreate them now. No. But, like, yeah. No. Sh- I- I think I'm going to act it out, actually. I'll, I'll be Sam. Yeah. You be, I'm always the girl. So, no. Um, uh, yeah, usually when we act these out, Tori's the girl. Yeah, it's always great. Um, so, no, but she... So he's kind of like meandering and kind of like slightly nervous with the conversation. And she, and then she broaches the conversation and you see her heart just on her sleeve. Yeah. And she's like, well, why didn't you ever ask me out? Yeah. Like... And it just is like, oh, shit. Like, now <laughs> things are getting real. And then he's like, well, I didn't know you wanted that. And then she's just like, and you see her, like, like kind of freaking out inside. And she's like, well, what did you want? Yeah. And it's just so pure. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I just wanted you to be happy. And then she's like, Charlie, don't you understand? I can't have that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, like, eventually gets the, like, courage of, like, don't you understand? You're not this. You're not. Yeah. That, that's, that's the main thing. I actually, you're going to hate that I say this. I actually don't love her lines of being like, you can't just do what everyone else wants. I don't necessarily love that part, but I love all the stuff that he's... Because that part to me That's reads the, a little on the nose of like, it just feels like, oh, Charlie, this is your problem. Let's spell it out for it everyone. It almost feels like the film knows that because they don't even... Like, they focus on her for the lines before. <laughs> yeah. Um, with like, well, what do you want? Yeah. And she's like rattled. And then it... And then like... When she says that next bit, like, yeah. well, I can't have that. When, whenever she it, gets to the real, like, explainy yeah. part of explaining life to him type of thing, that's where I'm kind of like, eh, don't yeah, know about yeah, this. Yeah. But his stuff of, like, telling her she's beautiful and, like, saying yeah. all that stuff is, like, so incredibly moving to me whenever I watched it. You're not small. Yeah, it's yeah. just so good. And then it's like, you know, it's kind of, if I remember correctly, it's kind of like the lead up is like his lines end and they kiss like right at the end yeah, of the line. It's not like they say it and then a kiss. It's no. like they're going to like as he's saying. Yeah, he's it, like walking up to her and she's... Yeah, yeah, and it feels like they both just like want it so bad. Yeah. Like it's... Yeah, and, it, and it's like, you know, the whole movie, it's just been this building, swelling oh, yeah. thing. And then it's like to have that payoff is just... 
I don't know. It just feels no. awesome. There's also something that I have written here about... Uh, you'll probably remember this more than me. I'm annoyed that I can't remember what this note means. But talking about how they're alike... Do they talk in that scene about yeah. how they're similar? So this or? is this is great subtext because Logan. So Charlie starts saying this once he does the. He's like, you don't, like, you don't know how like how like I know you. I really know yeah. you. Yeah. And he says like like we're so much alike. Yeah. And I just don't yeah. talk a lot. And, yeah. And when he says that, we're so that's much the alike, stuff that I like. Love. It's because he's talking about the abuse. Yeah. That's the one time that he actually ever talks about it. Yeah. Um and. It's just uh, you just see his heart right there, man. Yeah, like, and and, and I'm, I don't know. I'm just pretty. I get really into relationships whenever they're like this kind of uh, this complicated and sad thing. It's like rather than it just being oh he's gonna get this girl. It's like she's got to go to college, but they're in love. Maybe you know, like like that's so much more interesting to me. Like whether they're gonna end up together in the long run, you don't really know at the end of the movie. Yeah. But like they were in love for that moment and they had that connection and like that can never be taken away. Yeah. It's like more interesting to me. It's a little more subtle, a little more nuanced that, um, good. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that you just snuck that in. Yeah. There. Yeah. No, um, it was really uh, at ease. Dude, maybe I should start making that a thing where every episode I have to say subtle and nuanced. And if you can point, skate over it, like, and going. that scene is just so subtle and nuanced because this, like, so it's like the yeah. OG fans will know. Cause they will have heard this episode and they'll know that I do it every episode. But like, if every episode <laughs> moving forward, I make it a point to just like say it and like not make a big deal out of it and just yeah. keep moving. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> dude, I want to know like what guests would actually be like, oh, there we go. Like, like I yeah. want to see people like, like get it. And like, hopefully the guests that do know what I'm doing, like if they can give a little acknowledgement, but like a very subtle acknowledgement, like, oh yeah, that's good. Like, so like not, just, like yeah. just saying that, but we just keep the conversation going. Like if I'm talking and I'm like, you know, just make it a little more subtle, a little more nuanced. And then you're just like, yeah, that's good. And then I'm just like, <laughs> because that scene and we just keep yeah, moving just keep forward. Going, nothing, but, yeah, yeah. but I guess what I'm saying is I just think there's something that feels very real life-ish about the whole situation where they have this moment. And they probably won't end up together forever. But, like, that's a thing that both of them have forever is that moment where both of them were really connected in this room, share this incredible kiss, and, like, this moment of being very vulnerable and open and honest with each other. Because that's the shit that, like, I'll think back to situations that I've had with someone. And, you know, clearly that, you know, that person's not in my life. But we had, like, an incredible experience, you know, and had this thing where you just connect with someone. And after going through life, you know, I'm 30 years old now. I'm just like, that's, like, the real shit. Like yeah. where you reach that moment where you truly don't give a fuck about anything. Neither of you is judging the other person at all. You're both just really into what the other person's doing or saying at the moment. And it's like everything just doesn't matter. And that sounds super dramatic and movie like and romantic. But it's just the truth where you have those moments where you just don't care about anything. And it's like all I care about is right now. And yeah. it's like that's the shit that is like. The most everything, yeah, yeah, the most moving, yeah. yeah, for sure, man. All right, so first of all, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I want to um read this thing. Uh, okay, I want to. I know I want to end the podcast on this because the the ending monologue of this movie is fucking incredible, just, and I don't even really want to explain it. I just want to tell the context of the scene and then I'm going to read this last thing totally because I just think it's by the so way, incredible. I'm so happy that you made this decision. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> so basically the end of the movie Charlie the main character is in the back of a truck and he's just kind of doing a narration of like everything that's happened in the movie and all this stuff. And um so he 
is giving this narration and this is what he says. And I'm not doing the whole thing. I'm just doing the ending part because I think people won't really know the beginning of this much. Um, But right now, these moments are not stories. This is happening. I am here and I am looking at her and she is so beautiful. I can see it. This one moment when you know you're not a sad story, you are alive. And as you stand up and see the lights on buildings and everything that makes you wonder, and you are listening to that song on that drive with the people you love most in this world. And in this moment, I swear, we are infinite. So wasn't that just a lovely ditty of a conversation with Tori Dupre? I think it was. I actually just got done with a walk when I got done recording the podcast with Tori. Uh, we hung out for a bit, discussed some stuff, talked about a script he's writing. And then um, I went to the grocery store, got some stuff, went on a walk, and I got a bunch of pistachios. So I just ate a ton of pistachios. It's like a thing that I have a problem with where I always eat a bunch. I get healthy stuff and then I just eat way too much of it. Um, I'm realizing now that I'm not quite sure what I want these outros to be because I kind of dive as deep as I possibly can within the conversation. And then it's like, what else do I have to say? Really? If there's something that I really need to get to that's pressing, then I will in the future, um, like talk about that. I'm not necessarily feeling it with that episode. I think it was a good episode. I think what I'm trying to figure out is how to strike a balance between um, being an interviewer and also putting into the conversation while not controlling too much of it. Um, So yeah, I think that's just going to be a balance and something that's kind of tricky to figure out because it's like, you know, in the first episode, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. I think I just put too much of it on Aaron. And in the second episode, I liked it better with Catherine, but I also think that I was maybe being a little too strict with like sticking to bullet talking points and not listening to her enough and kind of letting the conversation free flow. So I'm just going to get better over time and hopefully achieve some kind of perfect balance with that. Um, It's difficult. But uh, all I really want is for this whole thing to be fun. So I think I'm just trying, rather than trying to think about like what's the best way to get listeners or what makes it most fun with the listeners, what makes it most fun for the listeners, I think I'm just going to try to make it most fun for me. So keep trying to set it up so that I just keep having more fun because I think that'll lead to listeners having more fun. But yeah, I think today was great. It's a movie that both Tori and I loved. And yeah, I probably felt loosest in the one today and that might be because I'm probably have spent the most time with Tori out of anyone that I've had on yet but then also it's my third one so I'm really a vet now um as always guys thank you so much for listening I say as always it's the fucking third episode um thanks for listening rate review if you want but if you don't feel like reviewing just rate it just hit the star button on iTunes um, let people know about it. If you have movies that you would like to hear talked about, or if you want to come on, hit me up on the Instagram and go to um, 
if you look in the details of the podcast, you can find all that stuff. You can find the song that I used in between um, the, you know, like the spaces for for the intro, the outro, and the main interview. <laughs> Uh, and you can find the name of the movie and shit and you can find my Instagram stuff. So yeah, thanks so much for listening guys. Thanks for the support. I appreciate it. Uh, whether you like it or not, hold on gang, someone, oh, someone responded to my Instagram story saying pretty eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) all right, let's wrap this bitch up. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day, and I hope that you are enjoying this journey with me so far. Thank you. Bye.